0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at slash socks. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of the Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austin's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Peak accessible Cronenberg. I'm working on something that'll change the world. She was literally not acting in that scene.
2: <gasps> not only did he like win the Oscar and he should have it. so much work went into this. Hey everybody, welcome to the Cinefix
1: Top 100, our quiet little science experiment that's going to move us 15 feet from right here to over there across space and time. I'm Clint Gage, and uh, joining me as usual, IGN's Director of Video Programming and uh, Editor-in-Chief of Particle Magazine, Michael Calibro. How you doing, Mike?
2: better now that I'm the EIC of Particle Magazine. Uh,
1: congratulations on that promotion by the way. I mean,
2: yeah, do you see do you see the perk? Do you see the company car that comes <laughs> the, with that The job? Maserati? Yeah. yeah, the
1: 1986 Maserati. It's something yeah, back
2: else. Back when back when there was money in publishing. <laughs> uh
1: and Alex Stedman, our usual the uh, the third pod of our little teleportation triangle is uh still still out sick, so we're doing we're holding it down without her one more time. Um leaning into that Cinefix knot. Yes. Top one hundred. In honor of the people who are not here, which is Alex and also again Dan. Dan is screwed two right weeks,
2: off. Two weeks of vacation right in the middle of the year. Can't must be it. must be nice. It must be.
1: Um, but this week we're talking about another movie that made it on our list. Because frankly, my list, my top 100, full of great movies. I don't know yours. Probably. Uh,
2: no, I probably got about like 95 good movies in yeah. mine. There's probably know? a couple of movies yeah. that I'm like. Eww. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm 95 percent perfect.
1: That's very fair. Yeah. Um, but one of the the movies that ended up on our list, but not on the the top 100, wasn't good enough for the algorithm. No. We're talking about that today, and of course we're talking about 1986's David Cronenberg classic The Fly. Not to be confused with the 1958 classic the Fly. the Fly. Or
2: the 1990 1989
1: sequel The Fly 2. The Fly also. No, this is The Fly 2. Nah, it's,
2: yeah. But I don't know if it's the number 2 or if it's the Roman numeral 2. I
1: think it's <laughs> Rocky IV was the fourth one. So... Adrian's um, Revenge! <laughs> So we're talking about the fly today, um, and so this movie—just jumping straight into it from 1986. Yeah, uh, David Cronenberg, starring Jeff Goldblum, and Gina Davis. Uh, it's about a a brilliant young scientist who's meddling with the the powers of teleportation, accidentally turns himself into a fly.
2: That's what? kind
1: of the reductive way to put it, but I mean that's that's I mean, the movie.
2: What happens if we remade uh, Frankenstein in the 80s and then just? Combine the monster and the doctor. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: It's if Frankenstein did it to himself. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a great film. Very uh, good. I'm assuming because I know that this isn't on my list that at some point in this neck in the, in the, in these coming minutes you are going to argue that this is peak cronenberg
1: okay we can get straight into Do you want, to let, that i mean, I mean let's listen get this out way right i feel now. like i feel like we already did the the business at the top of the episode we did the business just casually introducing the film so let's jump straight into the pedigree of this movie yeah. and talk about where it ranks with cronenberg so cronenberg in here's here's the one thing that i lo- love about david cronenberg he's got he's got a run Mm-hmm. I feel like we've run into that a lot. We ran into it uh, with Dustin Hoffman yeah. just talking about Midnight Cowboy, but looking at a run uh, from a filmmaker is yeah. really impressive. So from 1977 to 1988, Rabid, Fast Company, The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome, Dead Zone, then The Fly, then Dead Ringers. That Wait, is Dead Ringers was the last. Dead knows? Ringers. Dead Ringers was a follow-up to The Fly. It was two years after The Fly.
2: And then you're gonna forget. You're not gonna mention Crash.
1: No, I'm I'm stopping from 1977 to 1988. Oh, flat wow. crash wow. was later, I, deeper like, into the is 90s. Is that mid-90s? But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's that's a 10-11 year run. I mean, there was a 2-year break between the Fly and Dead Ringers. Uh, cuz the Fly was 86. So, I mean, that's a that's a 10, yeah. 10 11 year run right there. That's pretty that's good. Really really he extraordinary. He was going
2: so fast, he managed to just like crash into a wall and then <laughs> got off on it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's uh is the crash on your list? Well, we'll we'll figure that out later. Um, but, you know, it, it honestly that's that's P. Cronenberg to me. I never care for Crash. And then I mean, History of Violence and Eastern Promises and, and those movies are good and fine, but that's not that's not my Cronenberg.
2: I agree with that. I I I do think though those like vi- like like Him and Vigo, like those early like v- those mm-hmm. Vigo movies, they're 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 good. They're 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 just not what I think of when I think of David Cronenberg. Just like when I think of Steven Spielberg, I don't think of musicals.
1: Right, right. It's either literally almost anything else. I don't
2: think of very mediocre musicals <laughs> when I think of Steven Spielberg.
1: So the 90s were the age of very mediocre Cronenberg musicals. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, to talk about whether or not this is peak Cronenberg, like for me, it is. It absolutely is. This is, this is my tops Cronenberg.
2: I will, I will give you that this is the most accessible of the body, Cronenberg body horror films. Mm-hmm. However, I do feel that I must defend myself insofar as we are talking about an excellent David Cronenberg film that is not on the top 100. And it's not on the top 100 because it wasn't on multiple lists. And, right. you know.
1: You've already copped it not being on yours.
2: I, yeah, I did. And I'm, I'm going to explain why because I, I feel that it is... <laughs> it is needed
1: you can just feel the uh the attacks coming at I, yeah. you already right
2: so like you know let's be real here if there is going to be one movie in my not so humble opinion on david cronenberg's videogra- videography filmography sorry excuse me
1: you're like, skipping ahead to the title it, already oof.
2: it's videodrome yeah that's I had I had room on my I had room on my list for one Crony.
1: You saved one seat for Cronenberg, and he got and video, it was video drum. He got, he got okay. video drum. Yeah, no, I I think the fact that it is probably his most ex- accessible film is probably why it's it's my favorite. Yeah, uh, I'm a big old softy, I think, and so um, it's a type of movie that I can get behind that I can watch multiple times that would that winds up kind of being my favorite, like there, there's the, it's that favorite versus best kind of, kind of debate, right? Like, I think, I mean, you can put any of these that I rattled off because dead ringers. I also love dead yeah. ringers is, a, is messed uh, up. Let's be real here. And we that, love all of these. Yeah. Yeah. They're all great. Um, And even like uh, the brood, which is so like B movie cheap and weird. And, but I, I love it. It's, it's bananas. Um, The fly, I think is, is peak. Like he, he clearly got some budget, and he's, he's doing something. He's he's ele- elevating the production value uh, in a way that also works with the subject matter. And, like, the whole movie just kind of pulls in the same direction for me. And yeah. it's also a movie that you can actually – like, that you can watch a whole bunch of times. Like, Videodrome, I'll, g- I'll give it to you. It's it's great. I don't know that I ever need to watch Videodrome again, to be
2: perfectly honest. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I I don't know. I look at The Fly kind of like I look at, like – Yargos Lanthimos, Mm -hmm. like I think that's how you pronounce his name. Like, I look at them like Yargos movies, right? Like, my personal favorite of those is Dogtooth. I just think that that movie is so freaking weird, but like trying to convince you know my wife to watch Dogtooth (laughs) is kind of impossible, right? But like He has such a weird vibe of, you know, like how he constructs rules and then deliberately breaks them. But like the one of his films that's also really good, which is The Favorite, is just like the most accessible one of those. And I feel like The Fly is like the Cronenberg version of Yargos is The Favorite.
1: Right. Right. Because because and I think we've talked about The Favorite before where, you know, the idea that. The stuff that Yorgos does in most of his movies that is is sort of weird and out there actually makes sense in the yeah. setting of of you know of that film, uh, Killing of Sacred Deer. By the way, for some reason, my favorite. Yeah, that's movie. yours. It's it's such a and there's no reason why that should be my favorite one of his movies. Yeah, but I don't know. Here we are. Anyway, um, but it, yeah, you're you're right. Like I think it's the same. Like the subject matter of the fly works so well with Cronenberg's whole whole Vibe. deal. Yeah. Um, so did we settle that Pete Cronenberg? Uh,
2: yeah, we did discuss enough of it. And while I will continue <laughs> to just disagree, because I just, I just want to defend myself from anybody. That's like the fly Listen. should be on the list. And I, I don't disagree. I'm just trying to say is like, I can't have a, a top, top 100 full of Cronenberg movies. Right. I only had room, unfortunately, for video drum,
1: because we would have had uh, from 1977 to 1988,
2: yeah. all of them. Yeah, it was his decade. West. Yeah, you know,
1: you start with Rabbit. Rabbit is so weird, like that weird armpit vampire. Oh yeah, so weird. We,
2: fast. Company is like the only one we could really lose there. Yeah, yeah, I think that could go away.
1: But he was doing like two a year. They can't all be winners. It's true, I mean, most of them turned out. They kind of were, but. um, but, yeah, just so, I mean, that, the, in terms of Exist Ends is the other one that was kind of close to that range. It just never did it for me.
2: Yeah. Pre- maybe like, the- I
1: can't, uh, you know, I, I couldn't ever get into that one. Um, but you
2: could get into Crimes of the Future. Correct.
1: I think that's the, that's the Cronenberg that I'm here for, you yeah. know? And so it was this, this 77 to, you know, late 70s, late 80s window of Cronenberg. And then Cronenberg that I'm not, frankly, that into. And then he
2: did Crimes of the Future, which is awesome. wonderful. Yeah. Unbelievable film. One of my favorites of... I think that was, what, twenty 2020... twenty two. That was just last year. That was just last year. Yeah, really? Pretty sure. Was I it? I think. I don't know. Jamie's nodding. He's Bunny. nodding. Yeah, he's nodding. I'll take that. Honestly, like, I think I might... Like, if that was last year, that was up there with uh, Everything Everywhere All At Once, Tar, and then... That one? I think I'm wild year for movies. I think I might think of that movie more than any of those other ones. Yeah. And that movie blew me away. It's a good one. But listen, I you know, back to the fly. And
1: I think well, I think Crimes of the Future and The Fly have something in common. We'll we'll get back to it later because there's one moment in particular that when oh. we get to the brilliant moments that is, is 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 you know, reason 1A why The Fly is actually peak Cronenberg, I I think we'll get back to that later because in the meantime the other folks in this movie uh, I'm going to you know, entertain that idea
2: just for the sake of this podcast. I, you know
1: what? I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, Jeff Goldblum, we've talked about Jeff Goldblum. Was, Jeff Goldblum, never heard of, him. never heard of him. He's the guy uh, in those apartment commercials um but the uh see that
2: scientist that doesn't wear a shirt (laughs) yeah
1: sexy hot scientist jeff goldblum this was the origin of hot scientist jeff goldblum
2: it it really was
1: It, it was a thing that didn't really serve him well as well as it could until jurassic park uh in the 90s but prior to this i think the big chill was probably the biggest thing that he that he'd done and i mean he'd done um
2: i don't think i've ever seen the big chill the big
1: chill i the big chill has a great soundtrack yeah. And my childhood is my mom listening to the Big Chill soundtrack. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you know he'd done uh he'd done a handful of things and he he'd done some work and, and but then there was this, and then it really kind of never never really took off until Jurassic Park.
2: I don't know. I feel like it Earth took off Birth girls are easy there uh, for yeah, a little with bit. With
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he did. I mean, he did the stuff. He did the work. But man, he didn't have another like. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum's the guy yeah. until Jurassic Park. He wasn't um, Jeff Goldblum yet. No, no, no. And neither was Gina Davis.
2: Nah, Gina hmm. Davis.
1: Gina Davis had a great run in the the late eighties, early nineties, early though, because she did The Fly and Beetlejuice back to back. like those those movies are next to each other on her IMDb. And again, in the early nineties, she had uh, Thelma and Louise and A League of Their Own back to back, which I think that's peak Gina Davis. Thelma and Louise. Into a league of their own,
2: a a tier, a tier Ridley Scott is usually going to be at the top of yeah. anybody's
1: yeah, which is that's got to be right there. But then the the other guy, and I think we're going to talk about this guy a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that really John Getz, John Getz, yes, I I love, so okay, so John Getz plays Stath, what's his name, Stathis Boren?
2: Oh yeah, what, uh, which by
1: the way, what a name!
2: Uh, I mean, what a what what a, what a living
1: that guy. <laughs> played the just the best worm uh, of a human being. Total yuppie douchebag. God, he's incredible. Yeah. Like he he's so good. In a movie, movie
2: that I didn't even realize until right now just had an absolute yuppie douchebag. Mm-hmm. He nails it. He nails it.
1: He nails it. And like you know the uh Ellis from Die Hard. Yeah. Doesn't hold a candle to this guy. Ellis from Die Hard is a harmless just kind of douche. But then Stathis in the fly is just like, he is slimy and awful and an absolutely perfect worm
2: in this movie.
0: What are you doing in my apartment?
2: Just happen to be in the neighborhood. A little bit scummy. Rough day.
1: All right, art of the scene, brilliant moments, whatever you want to call it. This is this movie is Chris Wallace's uh, showcase. The practical effects stuff, the makeup effects stuff that he did in this movie is yeah.
2: uh, uh, He I won mean, the
1: Oscar and he damn well should have.
2: Yeah. And uh not only did he like win the Oscar and he should have it. so much work went into this, right? Like they had like what? Like 10 or 11 different mutations of like Seth to Bundlefly? Yeah.
1: Brundlefly. I mean, it goes, it goes from just like, just kind of zits yep. to just progressively more and more and more. Yeah. Just yeah. and like the, yeah, we'll keep going. We can talk more about it. Cause like the progression of time in the movie is also a thing that I, that I really want to talk about.
2: Yeah. And I mean like the interesting thing too, is it's like the fate, like one of the most interesting scenes are like when they're talking about it and it's like, here is like Chris Wallace's previous work playing out on this, right, is when Brundlefly pukes onto Stathis' hands Mm -hmm. and it kind of like melts them. They originally tried to do that like practically in camera and it didn't work. So they had to go back to an old tactic, which was the same tactic that he used to do the face melt in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? So like they made a hand out of wax with different layers of wax and then they melted it and then they composed it and then just like sped it up in post- so you get the like you get the melting hand action. So
1: the melting hand action was actually a separately filmed yeah. element. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah.
2: It so, looks great. Yeah. I mean, raiders just like. Yep. That that that's like how raiders played into that. Yeah, and it's this, just
1: like a bunch of basically like super powered hair dryers melting wax. Yeah. And then well, sped up film.
2: Propane heaters. Right. You're right. Right. But like it was like that, and then like he was talking a lot about how they got like the brundlefly to like to shed the face, and how they had these like compressed, like spring-loaded compressed plates that would push out, and that's how they made like the head, like the the skin fall off. Yeah, and like it took like f- like three to five puppeteers to like yeah. move this thing. It's- well, that's
1: what, and not to skip straight to the end, but I guess we can. But that that sequence of you know right at the end when he's walking towards trying to get Gina Davis into uh, walking is a, uh, yeah, (laughs) he's moving somehow towards, uh, Gina Davis, trying to push her back into the pod. Yeah. And just as he's going, like this stuff, just sloughing off of him and like, and the fly is underneath it all. And it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. And it's one of those, it's that era, that mid eighties era of like, these are practical things. They're doing them for real
2: and they're going to hold up. Yep. It's f- awesome. Yeah. And they, they, it just looks so good. And I mean, like, you know, I've been watching this because, like, last week we talked a lot about how, um, they used the camera and in, um, Midnight Cowboy of like how they had to steal these shots and stuff like that and how great, like, some of these, like, and how cinematic and like photographic, yeah. like, some of these shots were. And it's not, i been. Try- I was like watching. I was watching rewatching The Fly with that eye, and I can't like find these moments of like, man, look at this f- incredible cinematography. Yeah. But like, the more I think about it, it's like the invisible hand of the cinematography. And when you look at the behind the scenes stuff, like all the work it took to hide the puppeteers and like <laughs> the marionettes and yeah. like all of that, like basically like. It's not like it's a human being, so you can photograph it from any angle. It's like you're really like locked off and yep. confined because we're talking about like inches between like the realism of keeping it all in frame, and, and, and like a guy all, just kind of yeah.
1: holding his hand up, like
2: yeah, <laughs> and it works so seamlessly. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's and that's that's the thing about because you're right. I don't think any of the cinematography, like you know is is any in any of Cronenberg's like, stuff yeah, none wanna, of it's none of it's great or whatever but like the fact that the camera work is working with all of the practical effects um, it's, yeah, the, I mean, to say the invisible hand of the cinematography, like that's the way to put it, but it's, it's very skillfully done in a way that's like the only way that you'll notice it is when they screw it up.
2: Yeah. Even like the rotating set, like mm-hmm. when he's like crawling on the ceiling and stuff like that. Like, yeah. So yeah.
1: this is about like three quarters of the way through the movie Yeah. and he's learning how to crawl on the ceiling. And this is one of those things too, where like old tricks are the best tricks, right? Yeah. Like just the, uh, what's his name? Dancing on the ceiling, uh, rotating Fred set there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're doing it to like have this half man, half fly crawl on the ceiling. And and I, I did watch one. There's, uh, uh, what's the, the production designer, Carol Spear that works with, he's done more or less all of Cronenberg's yeah. movies.
2: Cron- Cronenberg has a crew that he just kind of yeah. like works with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember watching, uh, some of her behind the scenes stuff talking about like how they had to glue stuff to the, to the floor and like, as it rotated and like, the types of bags because it was all fast food bags and yep. like how they would move if weirdly it if down. it was upside down and and even like his shirt like doesn't fall quite right. That's the only spot where the seams show a little bit and you really have to want to look for it because he's upside down and he he like lifts up his shirt to show something mm. and then the shirt just kind of goes back into place like opposite gravity but yeah. also like it's a filthy shirt and he's mm-hmm. it's got all kinds of fly goop on it at this point so it's probably like you know, it's probably pretty stiff. So, but even then, like the, the idea that these are, these are camera tricks and these are production tricks that they've been doing since they've invented film. Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah. But it's just like used to its grossest extreme. Right. Exactly. So beautiful. So Chris Wallace, uh, you know,
1: his his work on this is so cool, but especially the evolution of it.
2: I mean, let's be real here. Uh, his work is so good at it that it got him the sequel. Yes, he got it, to direct. He the directed sequel. the sequel.
1: Yeah, which that's that's always interesting to see. Like, you know, there's no there's no direct path to being a director. Like, there yeah. there kind of kind of was like new Hollywood guys coming up. Like they the the first generation people that were like raised going to the movies yeah. and wanted to make movies full stop as opposed to the generation before that that used to be they came from the theater they were photographers or something like that and kind of translating into film um but then by the time you get to the 80s you start to have these craftsmen yeah. that are getting promoted into to doing there's like a bunch of guys like that but then uh coming from different
2: He's you know. like he's like coming from like the school of like Joe Johnston and like yeah. those like ILM guys that like got a crack at it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And even like you know Phil Tippett never he did, he did Mad God recently. Did he do anything? I
2: don't think so. I don't think but. so. Uh, to anybody watching, uh, if you're clicking on the Fly Podcast, uh, you might also there, like there's Mad a God. high probability that you would <laughs> like the film Mad God, which I can't recommend more. Yeah, honestly. Please watch Mad God. Phil yeah. Tippett deserves all the love and respect he could possibly get for that movie. Yeah, give, him, incredible.
1: give, give him those views. Well, yeah. um, one of the other things that that I really—and this is less a brilliant moment and more just a brilliant structure, I guess—but uh, it's a brilliant collection of moments. This movie, the ruthless efficiency of this movie, this is be, really remarkable.
2: Oh, you mean a guy? A guy inventing uh, life-changing technology? Those are three-hour movies now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh the um <laughs> and an imax for yeah. some reason um but you know the runtime on the movie is an hour thirty five six of those minutes are the opening credits and the closing credits combined, so we're talking like eighty nine ninety minutes on the button to tell this story, and like you and it, and it happens right out of the gate because. This was We sort of had this conversation about uh, Midnight Cowboy, too, about pushing the narrative forward during the credits. Yeah. This is the opposite thing. Like yeah. It just had credits on top of imagery. But when it comes out of the credits, it's on a close-up of Jeff Goldblum. And he's saying, let's see, I wrote the line down here somewhere. It's a close-up of Jeff Goldblum saying, I'm working on something that'll change the world. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> like, that's how the movie starts. It's right here on our main character. We're in the middle of a conversation between our two main characters between oh, yeah. like and then she just there they've been talking and we're just catching up like mm-hmm. there's no hey how's it going i'm seth brundle it's like they already they already met they already took care of that we don't need to you're see coming
2: it in at the most yeah. the part you need to come in at.
1: exactly you're not even seeing the pleasantries up top which is like that's just not a thing that is done really generally like you know you'll see at 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 Minimum, you'll see like it would have been Jeff Goldblum on one side of the room and he like looks over and sees Gina Davis over there and like, oh, hey, a little sip of liquid courage. And then he goes over and introduces himself or whatever. And that's how the movie starts. Nope, don't need it. We're gonna open on a close up of our hero saying, I'm working on something that'll change the world. Like that's what this movie's about. Yeah, 30 seconds in, it's incredible. I'm working on something that'll change the world and human life as we know it. Change it a lot or just a bit?
2: erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I, I'm just going to just put out some time code here. Yep. All right? So <laughs> at eight minutes... That is where uh, they do the first transport of the silk, silk stocking. Mm-hmm. Um, at 18 minutes and 51 seconds, that is the inside out baboon transport, yep. which we'll definitely need to talk more about. At 2419, honestly, this is probably like one of the more cr- narratively creative moments in the film, which is this is where they teleport the steak.
1: Yeah. And like, You've also actually skipped at 23 minutes is when our two protagonists are sleeping together already.
2: Oh, I'm only talking teleporting yeah. right here. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, I'm just talking like character progression. Like yeah. they're, we're, we're cooking. Yeah.
2: Man. So like at 24, it's like they teleport the steak. And like just using taste as a way to convey that something's up about the machine mm-hmm. is so smart. It's yeah. so smart because they didn't have to like do any kind of prosthetics or like think of a up steak. Yeah, it's just like it did, they this does not design taste right.
1: anything. It's just yeah. like nah. you know, nah. it's like
2: not seeing the shark. You could totally <laughs> exactly. buy it, exactly. Right? You and know,
1: the, and I'll, I'll go uh, just to scoot back yeah. to one of the time codes—the eight minutes, uh, the first, the stocking uh, teleportation. Yeah. Like when she leans in to pick up the stocking, and she like kind of leans into the pod. There's this incredible little bit of sound design that's just yeah. like, and it's yeah. eerie and it's not right, and it and it gets the base of your skull. But it's, you know, it's just the sound of this machine is uncomfortable. And yeah. she's leaning in to pick. So it's like even the one that, that it worked on the inanimate object, it did, it, it, you know that it's just not right. And, and it's that's just this tiny, subtle little bit of sound design, which is great. It's
2: so good, right? And then, like, at 35 minutes, he does the teleport with the fly. And, like, the, and then we're off to the race. So we're
1: a third of the way into the movie. And, and like, and that's the other thing. Like, it's so, it's so efficient and it moves so quickly that it kind of abandons tra- any sort of traditional structure because like, I think him, him teleporting himself is sort of at a midpoint. It's also sort of an inciting incident. It's also sort of like, there's it, it theoretically, maybe it's the end of act one. Maybe. Um, but it, I mean, not that it matters, but you know, like we're trying to like put it in a weird box or anything, but it's just it just moves at such a clip that, and there's just, it's just from signpost to signpost to signpost, yeah. like in terms of a beginning, middle, I mean, it's, it's the same deal as the trend to the, the, his transmutation, right? Yeah. Like it's just one step after another and it's hard to tell how much time is passing too. Like there's, they only mention time a couple of times throughout the movie. I think there's like a, you know, we'd have to wait a couple of weeks to see if the baboon's okay, but then they even don't actually wait yeah. for that th- that to happen. Uh and then later there's a moment it's after he tells her to, to leave him alone, never come back. Uh and then he says, it's been four weeks since I've talked to you. And then that, that's when he's like really down the road into yeah, yeah, becoming yeah. the fly. Um but other than that, like I'm not sure it could have been four or five days, or it could have been three months or yeah. Anyway. It moves quick it, it cooks
2: and like they do so much right like i love that like not only like not only does it give them like superpowers at what cost but like what's what's fun to me is it's like it's kind of like a drug like mm-hmm. it turns into a drug film for a minute yeah you know it's just like come on do the trend do <laughs> come on do the transport. Let me teleport you. Come on. You're gonna love it. It's so good. Look at me. I feel so good. Let me just let me just do one teleport before yeah. we have sex. Come yeah.
1: On, just, let me just, just I just one. gotta take one more hit before yeah. we yeah. Um But then that that leads to by the time you get 45 minutes in, halfway through the movie, uh, that's his rant. That's kind of like the point of no return. That's that's like, oh, he's officially dangerous now. Cause that, that whole rant, in fact, it's one of my favorite lines. Is that here. the coffee one? It's no, no, it's before the coffee one. That's, um, uh, or it's after the coffee one. But he is shouting about the flesh. And this is, this is another reason why, like, I, I think as much as Videodrome professes to, uh, you know, all hail the new flesh, I think Jeff Goldblum might have set a record for saying both the word, the word flesh and penetration all in one speech. Like, the most times using those two words in one speech comes about 45 minutes into this, and he shouts something about, like, you know, drink deep or taste not the plasma pool. Like, he's gone insane. (laughs) And it's a wonderful (laughs) rant, and he's, like, half all... He's, like, you know, uh, all the zits and all the weird hair and sweaty, and he looks awful, and and he's just, like, charging out of the house with, you know, leather jacket, no shirt, eating a candy bar, and he's, like, gone full nuts. Uh, And this is halfway through the movie.
2: Is this... Is that right before? Because I have... I have a couple of things, right? I have like, my feats of strength scene mm-hmm. is a very good one. But I also like, in that vein, the arm wrestling scene. Yeah, which, this is
1: the scene I was just talking about leads straight into, into the arm, arm wrestling, wrestling scene. scene. Yeah, because is- he's he's done with Gina Davis. He's going to go find somebody that he can teleport.
2: Yeah, just like, just, what a like the beta becomes the alpha. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> F- nerd. Well, to start, I mean, the the first feats of strength is the the gymnastics yeah. sequence,
2: which is. Awesome, right? It's so well shot, too, right? Because it's like I understand that they had to get like the camera away from them because they're using a stunt double. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Jeff Goldblum is that good of a genius. I
1: honestly, I looked it up. He did a little bit of it. He did a little bit of it. Yeah. He didn't do all of he it. He did just enough to make it cut right, yeah. I think. Is, I, is I, can't,
2: I can't imagine he's the guy that's like, 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 doing feet going the on the ceiling. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He, there's no way. People can't be that talented.
1: They <laughs> you, can't, you can't be Jeff Goldblum and also, also like be able to, uh, because he's that. already like a hell of a pianist yeah, too. So,
2: yeah. you know, he's just Pennsylvania's greatest. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. You know, <laughs> as a fellow Pennsylvanian.
1: Right. You got to be proud of, proud of Goldblum. Yeah. Um,
2: so anyway, well, to finish my thought yeah. on that, right. Well, it's just like, not only have to, they have to shoot a fart for like practical reasons, but what I really liked about it is like, <laughs> talking about the invisible hand of cinematography like that's the first time you really notice of like his visual distance from not only gina davis but the audience because it's done so far away and it doesn't like it stay it lingers in these yeah. like long shots and it's just like, like what the f- is this dude doing
1: well there's that and and it's one of the situations where you know you you're thinking okay well the limitations of this scene because i have to cut this with an actual gymnast uh, who's just like you know Jeff Goldblum ish in height, and then also wearing a wig. Um, and So you got to hide that. So you know you got to be far away. So like, how do I stage that to where creatively it makes sense? Yeah. Also, because and and so so it's like there's so much time spent on Gina Davis being like nervous to walk in the room and very clearly keeping a distance, and she's sitting there and she's very reserved. And then even the reverse shots of like you know from her perspective is yeah. where we're seeing this. And yeah, it's, it's far away. And then even the reverse shots are like very long lens and him walking in front of the lens is like, it's just like, they could have just been swinging a leg back and forth in front of it. Like it really didn't matter. It's just kind of motion uh, yeah, yeah, right yeah. in front of the lens. But, uh, but yeah, to your point, like it makes that distance actually makes the scene work better. Yeah, also. absolutely.
2: You're going to bring up a scene. Cause I know you are <laughs> of, um, talking about how like when he just starts shedding the organ like the vestigial organs like when his ear falls off and he starts Mm -hmm. losing his teeth I know that that's a favorite of yours right here right Uh, what I like about this scene is like it's the first it's like the lightest touch of that right so he's just far away that's it he's just far away he's distant now you know it's like
1: like there's (laughs) something something is different yeah yeah this is this is coming off of several scenes where they're just on each other literally. like yeah um, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's just
2: all the way out there. And then you know he starts shedding organs. <laughs>
1: he starts. He just starts literally falling apart. Yeah. So then, and that's uh, now we're getting into terror at like 57 minutes in is when he's kind of taking himself apart in the mirror. And the you know for as gross as anything else as everything else is in this movie, like the him taking his fingernails off is just. I, uh, it was the same thing with the arm wrestling scene. I actually had to, I had to mute because I didn't want to hear the sound. Yeah, I had to mute it, and I kind of went like this, and I waited, I waited for it to happen, and then I came back to it because I love, like
2: I love when they do the hand, uh, the the arm wrestling scene, and like they do the close up on the hand, and you can see like the ooze, like yeah. basically like the proto ooze of like what he's gonna puke up on the hand, on, right, on status later, like right before he breaks the guy's wrist. Yeah,
1: he's like sweating out yeah. whatever goop Brundlefly yeah. makes. makes. Yeah. And then
2: it like snaps that dude's hand and like that whole scene is just like uh it's and that's so such a, gross. that's
1: such a random little I mean it's not random obviously it was, it was very clear choice but like it's such an interesting little detail that didn't need to be there like that scene of because we know what's going on and the purpose of that scene is to show sort of how far gone he is and and, and it's another feat of strength that's yeah. sort of that's verging into violence now Yeah. um and but like just that close-up where that stuff squeezes out of it's like that's the kind of detail that really sets this kind of thing apart you know it's just like
2: what, what, what what's happening yeah it's just like and that and that's what Cronen- like because to your point right like that's what Cronenberg does really well it's like Another guy would have arm wrestled him until he snapped his wrist off and it's just like that. Yeah. But it's like Cronenberg's like, like, no, 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 no. Let me show you some fluid. I'm like, Oh god, wait, wait, yeah, yeah, we're gonna snap it, but
1: just
2: yeah. Get the close up of the fluids. The fluids mandate.
1: The fluids are fluids. Um so yeah, I mean that's and that again, that's that's where the Pete Cronenberg kind of stuff comes yeah. in. Cause there's always something psychosexual about cronenberg stuff
2: i mean it's not and like like
1: on the surface there's nothing about a guy turning into the fly that should be sexual but like it becomes about the flesh real fast
2: it's not a guy getting mind (laughs) in the stomach with a betamax tape but you know correct it's
1: it's it's in the same ballpark yeah i guess fluids coming out of his hands
2: probably same league Mm -hmm. different city maybe you know
1: (laughs) same sport for sure for sure um so <laughs> what sport were we did you we in? did talk about yeah. No, 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 no. Uh we did talk a little bit about the ear falling off sequence. Yeah. Um but by then like to literally how what strikes me about that scene obviously goop falling off of a human is gross to look at. Yeah. But how casually it happens it is the part sense, that yeah, yeah he's just kind of like and it's not even like he's scratching his ear and it comes off it it just falls off the side of his head and just while he's talking and he, I'm I'm, over, I'm just kind of wondering what's happening and then and Gina Davis apparently wasn't even acting. In that sequence. <laughs> there was this was one and we've got some things you didn't know, some Torfs coming up later that that I've got. And this was one that I thought about putting in there, but it was too good I'm, to talk about. I'm curious about for,
2: to see your Torfs.
1: This is uh she was she was literally not acting in that scene. Like it she it was physically uncomfortable for her to be that close to Jeff Goldblum in that makeup. The
2: man she was dating. Yes,
1: the man she was dating at yeah. the time. She's like,
2: I can't do it. Get away. And then from the me.
1: ear falls off and that that jump that she has oh god. Like that was like wholly genu- genuine, mm-hmm. apparently, uh, which I one hundred percent believe because, frankly, it was genuine for me also.
2: Speaking of watching Cronenberg movies, mm-hmm. there is actually one shot in particular that I like really love about this movie, and it happens. So, do you remember when he's just like, you know, like, yeah, you got to document my metamorphosis, like, for posterity, and like it can even be a children's book, and he's like, start, yeah, by, yeah. Here's how. Here's, here's how, how it eats. Flies eats yeah. Right. And then it like cuts, it like zooms out and you realize that like status is actually watching the tape on TV. If you really watch him in that moment, like his acting, I feel like that's what every single f-ing person looks like when they watch a David Cronenberg film. Right. Like, right. You could just put any like you could just like take. He could have been watching video. Yeah, he could have been watching video. He could have been watching scanners <laughs> like that guy. He's just like horrified, yeah. but totally engaged Cannot, look, cannot away. look away. Cannot look away.
1: And even when uh, Ronnie uh, Gina Davis's character comes home, yeah, he's just like she comes bursting through the door, and he's like, Ronnie, is at you." Yeah. Like eyes don't ever Like
2: that. Every filmmaker should aspire to to create a visual that Stathis right. looks at in that way. Yeah, and every one of David Cronenberg's body horror movies, I just watch exactly like that the right. entire time.
1: Yeah, I I have been Stathis yeah. in, in that in that situation. Um, but yeah and well and and that was another good a good example of how efficient this this movie is yeah. like the the cut between him doing it, then he sets it up, and then there's no they don't repeat it at all, yeah. like it's just a hard cut yeah. to him watching it on t v and you get the rest of it in the next room yep. um. And and again, like, I don't know how like how long did it take to get her to get that tape back? And I mean, honestly,
2: our podcast that we're talking about all these really cool scenes out of order is probably going to be about the runtime, about
1: the runtime of this movie. yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: My God.
2: We also need to talk about, you know, the most Cronenberg of Cronenberg things, the uh, his cameo. Which, mm-hmm. you know, happens in the in the nightmare sequence yep. of where she gets an abortion and like it turns out to be like a pod.
1: A big old wriggling like maggot. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, like leave it to David Cronenberg to be the abortion doctor in his uh, own movie.
1: I do. I do appreciate the fact that he was the one that that, you know, it's the, uh, Jeff Goldblum's got the line earlier in the movie. It'd be like, you know, as the general said, there's nothing that, uh, I wouldn't ask you to do. I wouldn't do myself. And so like the fact that he's there having to hold this gross, like abomination of a larva or whatever, uh, at least, at least he had to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene is messed up. And like until, it also ends in such a way for as on the nose and for as not on the nose, but for for as as explicit as everything is in this movie and as visually gross, like that sequence ends in a way that still leaves it a little um ambiguous as to whether or not she's actually pregnant. Yeah. Like how far back did that nightmare go? Yeah. And we don't find out until later that she actually actually is. Um but it's uh it as far as nightmare sequences go, like it's a good that's, one. A, that's a hell of a hell yeah. of a nightmare sequence. Did we 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 skipped over? It. I think we mentioned we want to get back to the the inside out baboon. Yeah, we yeah,
2: yeah we should talk about the.
1: Wait, give me your inside out baboon thoughts. Awesome, <laughs> looks. Awesome. This is this is going back to the twenty minute mark. I think.
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: About the twenty minute mark. Um, first successful teleportation. Um, he teleports a sock. Teleports a sock, and then doesn't does a uh, few minutes more tweaking.
2: Yeah, and, and then, like, also of all the animals, like how the f- do you get a baboon?
1: Yeah, well, the, yeah, that's that's a thread that you can pull on yeah. until you go a little crazy. I think be like, how did he get uh, you know approval to go yeah, to baboon not, not, level? Not
2: a dog, not yeah. even like a kinder smaller monkey. Yeah,
1: like, or a mouse or or something. Like yeah. I feel like you would you would need to graduate. To baboon to a baboon from a smaller animal.
2: Yeah, I agree with yeah.
1: that. um I'm gonna write a letter to Cronenberg of whether or not he thought about that. But visually, that baboon, I do wonder if he thought about what animal is going to look best inside out. Do you think? And he, and he landed on baboon.
2: Do you think it's because it like probably you know why? Probably because like His the baboon, skeleton's got weird. He has got a big snout. Yeah, and like. That's the first thing I look at whenever I see like the inside out baboon. It's like the snout is like out and the fangs are there. Yeah. And it's just And like,
1: it's still. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I,
2: yeah. I will say that like of like prime apes, the baboon might. And I might be biased because I've already seen this film. The baboon <laughs> might be the most disgusting looking inside yeah.
1: out. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awful. Yeah. Apparently. And I want to tease another torf that did make it into my list. That baboon was a real asshole on set.
2: Yeah, no, I read that. Did you read that one? Yeah, and they're like it. the and animal had wrangler, awful
1: Yeah, Goldblum himself. Like everybody just had to like get big in yeah. front of them to to calm him down. So you uh,
2: didn't want to f*** with Goldblum.
1: He, no, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't want to. Pennsylvania's own Goldblum. Yeah. No, yeah. you don't mess with that. I mean, we talked. Want to we about talk the, about
2: the final act a little bit? Like a lot going yeah. on. A lot going on in that climax there. That like well,
1: and like the subtext of this movie for me is like is all about just the poor Veronica. Yeah. Like, Ronnie being stuck in the middle of... Because ultimately, it's she was in a relationship with Stathis, who's an absolute worm. Asshole. Yeah, yeah. God, he's the worst. Um, he's got that, he's got that particle like, money. Though. He's got... Yeah, he, and that that scene where he, like, follows her into the store. Yeah. And is, like, crying. I was like, oh, sleeping with the new guy. And he's just throwing a fit, like a little child. I mean, um, apparently
2: that movie is making magazines. It's like... Or, that magazine is making money. Yeah. Now that I think about it, like he's driving a Maserati, she's buying a guy she barely knows leather jackets. <laughs> yeah. Because
1: publishing money was yeah. something but, else back then. We, yeah. we,
2: what, we, you know, we
1: messed it up somewhere.
2: But like, like Tony Soprano. Like, did we just come in at the fall of the empire? Yeah. Like,
1: that's exactly what happened. But Stathis, uh, so her relationship with Stathis uh, got in the way of her new relationship. With um, uh, Seth, yeah. and then because she's going to clean that up, Seth gets drunk and jealous, and oh, that's God. the just part of the decision to go through the teleportation, which you know d- is the whole and the flies in there with them.
2: I'm still-
1: uh, the, the whole cause of this is like two silly dudes who are insecure enough about their dynamic with Ronnie yeah. um, that they just screw everything up. Yep, because it was it was also staff is like sending those like mock-ups of magazine covers yeah. and like being real passive aggressive about that shit that causes it all to happen so like it's the subtext of this is like there's the Frankenstein part of it right yeah. there's the there's the, the you know reaching too high kind of scientific you know be careful of the de, beware the dangers of and, you know all of that stuff Um but it's got this great additional subtext of Ronnie and her dynamic with the two guys yeah. that just makes like it toxic that, relationships. Yeah. yeah. That makes it about something else entirely. Yeah,
2: And then there's like the, like the, like the metaphor for like overconsumption and just like excess living. Right. Cause like, even like in the good times when he's like not completely brundlefly, he's just like got the superpowers. It's just like, yeah, dude, I just want to like go out, like, beat up people and screw and teleport mm-hmm. yep <laughs> it's just like punch <laughs> just screw, screw teleport punch screw, screw teleport.
1: teleport gymnastics yeah. Yeah. um yeah you know hey that's uh good work if you can get it i suppose um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i mean that's another one that's punch, another screw, reason teleport, why this repeat. yeah that's another reason why this this movie makes a lot of sense in the 80s yeah. right and and so because of the the sort of drug vibes of the the initial reaction to teleporting and like he's chasing that high for the rest of the movie until it's too late and then he's done um but yeah all of that coming to a head with with veronica having to you know going to get an abortion and all like ev- everything that's happened in this movie is happening to her yeah in a lot of in, you know obviously she's not turning into a fly but i to hell with him. He did it to himself. Like, you know, so like, Ronnie being sort of the center of this movie in in a way is makes it a makes great. It's
2: it's awesome. It's yeah. it's it's an incredibly well done Cronenberg yeah. film.
1: Yeah. To your point, most accessible. Peak. Peak Cronenberg. accessible. Peak. Peak, Cronenberg. peak accessible Cronenberg. Yeah. Um. So we can't. I mean, we can't get to the, to the the brilliance of that last act because I mean, honestly, the way this movie wraps up. Yeah. With even from him crashing through the glass ba- blocks at the doctor's office, kidnapping her back. I mean, it's such good monster. That's just
2: Fra- straight Frankenstein. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Just classic monster behavior. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the humanity of him that's still left over by the end is this is where, yeah, that is. The shot, and this is the shot I was talking about earlier when I said there's one shot in this whole movie that makes this Pete Cronenberg, yeah. is is the the shotgun to the head. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of Seth left in there. He's he's aware of what he's become, and he he wants help ending it. Yeah. And like and again making putting Ronnie in that position where yeah. she's the one that has to pull the trigger. But like that moment where there's a little bit of humanity left behind all of this goopy nonsense, yeah. all of this goopy body horror disgust, and there's still a guy under there who's just who just knows that he's gone too far and he needs out. Um, that to me is what makes this Pete Cronenberg and the body horror aspect of of everything else that he's done uh, to me has been to a certain degree more sometimes more sometimes less for the sake of it. Yeah. Right? Like there's the videotape into the into the belly is one thing and then like the gun fusing to the hand in video drum- yeah. like it's creepy and it's metaphoric, it's a metaphor and I get it. Uh but like it never quite ties back to the humanity of it all. No. The way that cuz body horror in in you know at its core is supposed to be like here's what the human body's not naturally supposed to do and i'm going to show you what it looks like and that's going to scare you and so getting that taste of humanity back at the very end of it after everything that he's been through like that to me makes this hmm. mo- makes this his best movie
2: All right. i buy that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh but then also making making ronnie shoot him in the head is
2: up. It is extremely f***ed <laughs> up. And also they did a good job on the head explosion. Very Scanners-esque. Of course. You watch it. Yeah. yeah. And wasn't... If I'm not mistaken, hold on. Let me look this up. I should know this considering I wrote our practical effects video.
1: This was in... Was this in a practical effects video? Yes. The, sc- the scanner scene?
2: Uh, Both the scanner scene and the... um, And yes, he did do scanners. So... Chris, Chris Wallace. Did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was around. Uh, I need... I made for body horror on the practical top 10 practical facts. We went with Rick Baker and American werewolf. Yeah. But the that makes sense. preface of that was basically like, I'm sorry for not picking Cronenberg. Right. Here's Apologies in <laughs> advance for Here, not mentioning any like, of uh, these. All of these are totally worthy, totally yeah. worthy, but we have to go with, we have to go with the American. Werewolf right.
1: And right. Which was the very first Academy yep. award for makeup. Yep. American werewolf. Um,
2: and the special and the special effects make up for what I consider to be the better uh Cronenberg movie, Video Drum.
1: Was also Rick Baker.
2: Yeah. That was that was that was the Rick Baker collab. Yep. This is the Chris Wallace Well,
1: collab. you were you were really you were saving spots for that. You was like, I can only pick one Rick Baker and I can only pick one Cronenberg. I mean it's yeah. gonna be the same movie. Yeah. It's a twofer. Yeah. Good for you. Um, any other brilliant moments we need to talk about? Um because yeah, I mean, I think we we talked about a, a lot of like the structure of the movie and how fast it is. We talked a lot about Chris Wallace and the different things that he did. And melting Stannis's Stathis's Hands. hand and leg, like the hand is one thing. Like doing the leg, like the middle part of his leg until it snaps off was was another thing altogether for yeah. me. Like the hand, I, I kind of could handle, but like there's something about the middle portion of the leg melting was yeah. too much
2: for me. It's. It, that whole scene is just a lot which it's,
1: it's a lot.
2: Uh, I was watching that at like I had to finish watching it at the gym this morning so I was like <laughs> watching it on the treadmill and you know I'm watching the woman next to me watch the fly on the treadmill just yeah. like, completely horrified. Well that's the thing
1: like it's the same deal on airplanes yeah. like you you do not watch the thing that's right in front of you like no. you watch the thing next to you or the thing like over somebody's shoulder like two rows in front of you. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure there were 3 Utter- or 4 people behind you utterly, also utterly horrified. It's also like, going like
2: uh, it's just like
1: tasting of the plasma pool.
2: Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> fucking rolls, man. This movie fucking riffs. Be afraid.
1: Be very afraid. All right, let's talk about movie list. Let's talk about movie lists. Let's talk yeah. about movie lists. So, uh, The Fly, we did a five brilliant moments of Cronenberg body yeah. horror just last year yeah, for I know. I wrote I wrote, you wrote, the video you wrote drama. a chunk of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wrote The Fly. I think my rant about the the shotgun thing was was probably lifted straight from the version of yeah, that that I wrote sense. for that for this video. Um, Fly was in the top 10 movie monsters Ooh, of all okay. time. Yeah it was also in uh the makeup transformations top 10 makeup transformations of all time Wow. that one goes way back that was like 8 or 9 years ago um and then it also deep, got deep a um it got an honorable mention
2: we haven't done you haven't done body horror yet have we
1: no i haven't done one specifically for body horror i think body horror was on our top 10 horror movie yeah what would you call cuz well we did like american werewolf yeah, probably. Yeah. I'd have to look at it again. Because the horror movie we did, we didn't do it like a top 10 horror movies. We did like a – because horror the in general has like a Mount Rushmore that's kind of unimpeachable. And so we okay. did like replacements for those. Yeah. And I don't think we quite – the point is we can do it again. Um, but uh, it did get an honorable mention in an older practical effects and also under your
2: practical effects too. I, yeah, it definitely got – I mean – yeah. I made sure in the body horror section, like Wallace got two shout outs, one for Raiders, mm-hmm. one for this, yeah, and then crony also got two shout outs, one for this and you know video just
1: drill. everything else, yeah cool um, So f-
2: cool. but
1: are there any other sort of general lists that it, it i mean it's such a it's such a specific movie that does a very specific Top thing Goldblum? Top ten Goldblum. Yeah, I mean it's in there for sure. I mean, is
2: it top three? Goldblum.
1: I it's not. uh, You know, we all know where I ranked Independence Day. Yeah, no, we know. (laughs) Jurassic Park would be up there. I would put this ahead of any Jurassic Park sequel. Yeah, I would. Lost World included.
2: Listen, Independence Day, J.P. Monsters, right? Like just everybody. Everybody's scrambling for third place at that point, right? Like, what's third? That isn't the fly.
1: You know what I, I think? I, honestly, Life Aquatic, him specifically him in the Life Aquatic yeah. might be my, might be one of my favorite Goldblums.
2: Really? Yeah, he's I great. Mean, the Life Aquatic is like one of my favorite uh, Wes Anderson movies, mm-hmm. but not not because of Goldblum. He plays a good heel. He's just yeah. not. He's just not in it a lot. He's a great heel in that movie. And he's a great heel. All you know. The time. You know how
1: I like I like the the off to the side supporting characters.
2: Yes. This is true. Well, I'm, I'm I'm I, I got to look at I got to I got to look at Jeff Goldblum's IMDB quick yeah. cuz I mean, we were making fun of uh uh Bill Pullman mm-hmm. and we were getting flamed in the comments for not bringing up space balls just once and they are That's absolutely
1: right. Completely they fair. Are. So yeah.
2: I have to just do a quick little uh, you know, scrub here to no, defend I mean, to, independence, to defend say, myself when car. I say that uh the he's, fly is his number three.
1: He's had some. I mean, I, I really liked him in Life Aquatic. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's been in some. Because uh, like Grand Budapest, he was in. I feel like le- he was less. Yeah. He, essential he, to he, that. He, he movie. was
2: great in that. But this is like a leading role from him, him, and it's. Yeah. He carries this entire movie. There's like three characters in this damn thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, he was great in Thor, but number three. Not number three, no. Yeah. Um, I,
2: I, I, I've looked enough. I'm comfortable putting putting him in number, three. in number three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Igby goes down. <laughs> Everybody remembers that one. Um Good Heel in that movie too. Yep. Um yeah, okay, great. Number three. Yeah, number three. So and, and just scrolling through that, I don't know that we need to do a whole top ten. Oh. To be honest. Um but I mean like sci-fi horror.
2: Sci-fi horror.
1: Sci-fi horror. I yeah. mean, sci-fi, either like the sci-fi section of the horror movie list or the horror section of the sci-fi movie
2: what list. What about uh, movies with computer user interfaces? <laughs> sure. Top 10 movie, movies. Movies where,
1: yeah, that they inexplicably can yeah. just talk to their computer.
2: What about production design? Uh, I don't mind it. Really? You don't think those fucking pods are cool?
1: They're very cool. I nailed mean, like any, of, any, right? uh, I, I do, I do. Is it,
2: is it a Torf? Did I pre-guess you, a Torf? You
1: got, you nailed a Torf Sick. right off the bat. Um, Sick. but right, I already cool. used up my other Torfs that I didn't use. So now I'm really screwed. I
2: already um, got, I already got one, yeah,
1: torf. one Torf. Um,
2: we'll get, we'll talk more about this then at that Yeah. Torf. Yeah. We can <laughs> talk more about it
1: then. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know what, what else to, to put it on. I mean, I, I body horror, horror, sci fi. Yeah.
2: You know, it's a, it's a it genre picture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It really is. Um, it, how quotable is this movie? I have one quote. Yep.
2: I think we probably have the same quote. What is it? Uh, the Brundle Museum of Natural History.
1: <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. No, mine's a tagline from the poster. What is it? Be that? afraid, be very afraid. Oh. It's Gina Davis's line right in the middle of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the. Uh, uh, he, when he's. Pushing Tanya or whatever her name is to to try and do it. She's like, No, I'm afraid. Oh, don't be afraid. Be afraid. Be
2: very afraid. It's I mean, great. It was on the poster. My like, medicine cabinet. Well, cause my medicine cabinet is turning into the Brundle Museum of National yeah. History. It doesn't really play on a poster. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But it's a sick line.
1: It is a good one. I also liked uh this is another one from the Tanya sequence. I wanna
2: name my I t- I wanna name my toilet. The, oh, the Brundle Museum of Natural History <laughs>
1: Ew um, There's another one from uh, From the Tanya sequence When they're running away from the arm wrestling thing She says oh are you a bodybuilder or something He goes yeah I build bodies mm-hmm. Take them apart put them back together Like it was just a fun yeah, Clever little turn of phrase um, Do we talk about the music in this at all
2: No, nah, not really Do they It's the original it's music from The Fly
1: the, they, the old fly? You, yeah. no, I don't think so. I'm okay. not sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, before I, before I give it an answer, to that I literally have no idea. Um, but it's Howard Shore, who did most of Cronenberg's uh, early stuff. Um, but I love how, and it's sort of similar in a lot of his work with Cronenberg, like how melodramatic it is. Like, the, the just the very first production logos coming up in the movie, and it's like,
2: you know what though? I think like, you kind of need that shit. like I think about I think about like when we have to make videos and stuff like that and just go with me on this like okay on this analogy here right like I'm not a graphic designer I'm a terrible graphic designer but I know enough that like less is more and what I mean by that is is like if I have to fake it in that kind of like in that kind of expertise I always try and use a little yeah. And I feel like when you do these like Brundlefly, like the Brundlefly, what the fuck does he sound like? Yeah. You know? And like the Foley on Brundlefly is like light. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just like, there's a little like the,
1: yeah.
2: you know, like, like a little <laughs> bit of that kind of stuff. And like, I'm not saying that there's no Foley. I'm just saying that it's light touches of Foley yeah. and heavy dabs of melodramatic well, music.
1: Even him doing the vomit drop. Yeah stuff like it's just kind of like a gurgle yeah it's not much at all when no, it could have been something like it could have been like weird velociraptor be so, growls it would or whatever
2: be so over-engineered now there would be like five youtube videos of like yeah i actually combined like 40 animals yeah. to like, <laughs> to, like <laughs> to like make this thing
1: but yeah those those moments where that music just spikes back yeah. up and, it, and it's literally the first shot of the movie like it's still a production logo we don't even have a title card up yet and it's it's just this big sweeping melodramatic score and it's the same deal in Dead Ringers it's yeah. the same I mean all of Howard Shore's work with Cronenberg has it
2: but it like works so yeah. well because like no this like, is not did, a this they,
1: is not a complaint. Oh, I know, I know. I, know.
2: I, I I guess like what I'm trying to say is not not that it's a complaint. I think it's an exact and a uh, an effective tactic in the genre, right? Because even when you go back to like the '40s horror movies and like you watch like the Universal monsters, mm-hmm. like they do the same thing. Uh, Coppola's Dracula yeah. also has like just the like blanket
0: mm-hmm. of like
2: melodramatic music over it and it's so good and I guess like what I'm trying to say in like Cronenberg's work I think I think that that works so well to like just like accentuate and kind of uh, take your mind off the fact that the Foley work is light and I don't mean that the Foley work is light in a mean way I just don't think it's overdone
1: yeah it's like there's a certain amount of sound that's happening yeah. in any given frame sometimes it's a lot of music and yeah. not a lot of something else, yeah. yeah. No, anyway, I think it's great. I, I love the, the music in this.
0: Are you a bodybuilder or something?
1: Yeah, I build bodies. But I think we can now move on yeah. to things you didn't know. Yeah. You ready to torf?
2: Yeah, Okay. let's do it. I only got one.
1: Okay. Well, it makes up for the one that I yeah. don't have anymore. Well, we can. I'll start with that one then. The inspiration for the design of the telepods came from... Production designer Carol Spears' kitchen and the look of a pasta maker she'd gotten for her husband.
2: That is false. It's actually designed off of his motorcycle. Correct. Those engines. His, I, the, vintage Ducati. Yeah. What do they call those things? It's like the V-twin kind yeah, of thing, Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: It, it's like a weird cylinder I don't, situation. Under I, don't, I don't know carburetor? what it's called. Carburetor? Yeah, great. Hey, that's fine. Point is, it looked cool, yeah. and that's where they got the idea for the uh the, pods, yeah. the look of the pods. Okay. Chris Wallace and Stephen Dupuis won the Academy Award for Makeup and it was presented to them by Rodney Dangerfield. Torf.
2: I hope that is true cuz if it is I am going to go watch that video as soon as we can.
1: What's it going to be? True. True?
2: It is true. Yeah.
1: I know I know, congratulations. What I, I know and You're I'm welcome. watching when I get that. He did in. a uh, he did a quick uh, like a tight 3-minute bit about makeup awards um, uh, which included the joke everybody wants to look good, you know? Everybody wants to look good on camera. My wife wants to look good when she leaves, so she got a facel- She got a facelift. And uh, wouldn't you know, just my luck, there's the a face that looked just the same underneath. <laughs>
2: and it's
1: just, it's just awful Rodney Dangerfield. It's wonderfully oh awful Rodney I Dangerfield. Would, talk about
2: uh, the hype. He, they got the best award that night.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, handing, they, so he presented the award for makeup effects. It's some, something to the effect of, like, uh, you know, everybody wants to look good. And so, of course, they always give this award to the guy that makes the grossest looking monster. Um, but Chris Wallace also attributes the fact that his name is the first name that comes up in the credits, in the yeah. end credits. Yeah, he attributes the win, the Oscar win, to that. Really? Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't know that I would have been nominated if I had, if my name wasn't right up there at first.
2: You think? Because isn't like Rick Baker like in the opening credits of American Werewolf? I mean, 11? probably,
1: yeah. But I, I don't know how right or wrong he is, right. but I do think it's cool that his name is first. Yeah.
2: No. I, I well, I just distinctly remember watching it. I'm like, wow, I can't believe he's not in the opening credits. Yeah.
1: I got two more. All right. Do you want to do yours? Want we'll to do mine? Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, you know who uh, almost directed this film?
1: Oh, I. Um, it's a good. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna parallel go, universe here. I'm gonna go with. Um, uh, Tim Burton. No, no. Robert Bierman. Robert Bierman.
2: Yeah, you know who he is. No. He uh, he directed Vampire's Kiss. Oh God! With Nicolas Cage, <laughs> we should have saved yours
1: for that, and that would yeah. have made a oh, great no. segue I was, I was into trying, the Cage. I was trying to use you it could for have, a segue. You could have. No, that's great. Um, he
2: would have done a good job on this movie, but like he just, he said he just like his heart wasn't into it, so he didn't yeah. do it.
1: No, that's interesting that that's the kind of director that they were looking for yeah. first, because um, here is the thing. Mel Brooks produced this movie. Oh, I know uh, through his uh, Brooks Film Company. Uh, and he had to campaign, true or false, he had to campaign really hard to get people to go see it because test screening the initial test screenings were deemed too gross and that they, quote, took it a step too far.
2: True. False. It, it didn't go far enough?
1: No. He was a producer, but he deliberately withheld that from everybody because he was worried people would think it was a comedy. Oh. He didn't want anybody to know he was producing it, okay. but he had the rights so to he, it. So
2: he was a silent producer. He was a
1: silent producer until apparently at the premiere he was like handing out candy. <laughs> which, which is funny. It was something. I don't think that it, it was something to the effect of. I think it might have been the candy bars that that Seth was eating the whole time. Mm. But no, he was purple? he was he kept that away. For, he kept that out of the, the trades or whatever. Far he didn't want. He's people not to even in the a, credits. Yeah. No. Yeah. It Just his Brooks films at the yeah. at the top. But uh, he also came up with the line, "Be afraid, be very afraid," because they were talking about how they wanted people to react to mm-hmm. the fly, yeah. and that was his line. And they ended up giving it to to Ronnie. So there you go. Uh, torf. Once again, we have torfed. Um, wh- who's your MVP for the movie?
2: Dude. I mean, let's be honest here. I don't think that this is Pete Cronenberg. You mate. So like, uh, I also don't think that this is Pete Goldblum or Pete Gina Davis. Okay. So that means it has to go with Chris Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. Dude.
1: I, I mean, listen. I, I can't argue with Chris Wallace. He was the first name I wrote down. I'm gonna, you know, this is, you know, it's my favorite thing to do. I'm gonna give the MVP to a supporting supporting character. I'm giving it to John Getz. Here's here's why. Stathis Stathis Borens, uh is like we've said, Great such a, such a Great scumbag, scumbag. Yeah. such a worm. He's so good, but without him being quite that good of an asshole, like. I think that there is like he becomes the proper antagonist. Yeah, of this I, movie, I was just going right? to say that. Yeah. So like I, I don't think you get nearly as much of that tragedy and that humanity that comes around to the end at the end of this movie if you don't also have the punching bag that is status. And if if Seth can't realize how far gone he is by melting somebody's hand off and that's somebody that we like yeah. then it doesn't work nearly as well. And that's, that's the true. whole movie, right? I like that. Yeah. But so I'm, if 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 Stathis isn't half the worm that he that he is on yeah. screen, I don't think the movie works quite as well. It still looks super cool. I'm, Chris I'm, Wallace still does
2: his amazing I, work. Yeah, I'm, I'm passively agreeing with you here, so you can make your point. But at the end of the day, no one's going home and being like, "But baby, Stathis." Yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. now well, I mean, awesome, cow. Listen, dude, Stathis, dude, he pukes on he pukes on a man's uh-huh. hand, and it just like melts yep. away. And then, like in to this point, like his screams of pain are like solid.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. honestly, I'm I don't mind when it happens either. Yeah. Like I really, legitimately I d- mind guy. seeing him what? getting melted into wish, pieces. I wish you know? it was
2: just the scene where he just started puking all over his Maserati, and it just started eating. Yeah. All the and he's just like, no, 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 not no, the that,
1: car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been good too. Um. Okay, so just to, to circle back to your Torf. Yeah. Who's uh, where are we put Nick Cage in this?
2: Oh, dude. So the obvious answer is Seth Brundle, but the real answer is Stathis. Mm. Especially if he was a uh, Robert Bierman directed Stathis. Yeah. You know, Peter Lowe. I mean, it's basically re- his like, character yeah, yeah. from Vampire's yeah, Kiss. Peter Lowe could fit really yeah. well in there. Oh, an arrogant publisher in the
1: 80s. Which by the way, do have we mentioned I got I got no argument with that. Yeah. That's that's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. Um we we skated over the fact that the publishing company of Particle Magazine is actually monolith is <laughs> <laughs> monolith publishing, I think is what it's called. I mean, which is hilarious. But then there's also um,
2: if Stathis isn't a Napa baby, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, I don't no, know he
1: inherited that. For, yeah, he's he's like the third generation yeah, the newspaper I want, man. I want a Science Magazine. Yeah, <laughs> but then uh, um, there was also apparently, and this is kind of circles back to the efficiency of this movie. Like there was um, uh, there, uh, there was apparently a version of this movie where um, Gina Davis's character was having to like fight against some of the corporate intrigue happening at Bartok scientific industries or whatever, the company that was financing the thing, like their shadiness was getting involved and that whole thing got cut because it's like, yeah, great. That was exactly the right. I don't
2: give a shit about that. Yeah.
1: So between Bartok science industries and monolithic publishing, like uh, that's a very Cronenberg thing to do though, like shadowy corporate greed kind of stuff. So it's, it's surprising, but also great that he cut all that stuff out. But we talked about the, the cameo, I'm scattering all over the place cameo. because I skipped the Cronenberg's um, cameo as the uh, the oh, doctor yeah, no, in we the talked, abortion. We, talk,
2: we talked about how he was the abortion doctor.
1: But do you know where that came from?
2: Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Great. I'm glad I didn't use that in the tour. Yeah.
1: Scorsese met with Cronenberg and he was like, "You look like a Beverly Hills uh, plastic, plastic surgeon. surgeon." Yeah, So, so I think is is hilarious. Um, okay, yeah. What are we going to reboot this?
2: Uh, it's 100% rebootable. You yeah. know why? I'm going to say it right now. Uh, current turn in our political climate where the uh abortion is now is now a states rights issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is a very fascinating movie if it was made literally anywhere in the south.
1: Yep. 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 Cuz uh,
2: having watched it this time at the end there and how like I need an abortion tonight. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, that that, that was, that was another thing. And that doctor, yeah. And that
1: doctor, like you got to know staff. This is not the first woman (laughs) status is brought (laughs) to this guy. Clearly
2: not. Yeah. He was just This is
1: like my guy and I'll see if I can wake him up. Like. um, What is this guy?
2: A fucking mob doctor? Yeah, I I
1: guess. It's either abortion or or like bullet holes. Yeah, Um,
2: uh, That's all I could think about once we got to that part of that movie. It's just like.
1: Well, it's, it's that subtext that's through the whole thing. Like, you know, it's. So
2: imagine if she was forced to have to give birth. To Seth Brundle's baby. Gugh. Gugh. Yeah. Makes
1: a sequel a little easier, I yeah. guess. Well, you know. Um, apparently, he did have a kid. They he retcon- did have a kid. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is right there in the yeah. sequel. I think. Uh, I mean, we're probably primed for it, right? Because the first one was in the fifties. Yeah. Second one was in the eighties, and then now we're forty years yeah. past that. And so, like, it's you, you know. know
2: what? And no one even can complain because the one that everybody loves was a remake. Right. So.
1: Yeah, it's already a remake. Just go ahead and do it again. Yeah. So, remakes. Remake. that's another list that ought to be on oh yeah yeah top 10 remakes top 10 remakes uh, but let's see where it wound up on the list on the list on our top 100 where Did we at it? where are we at The Fly 266 266 266 I had it personally number 97
2: Right. on my list so you were just snuck
1: into the top 100 you were
2: just hovering right around where i was hovering around midnight yeah. cowboy yes. yeah
1: and this and midnight cowboy is what 262
2: listen i almost wish that like we collaborated here and agreed on one because like i honestly hope that there is actually a cronenberg movie in our top 100 movies listed i'm now nervous that there won't be because yeah. you and i didn't like uh what's the what's the word of we-
1: you didn't. Uh, not there collab- wasn't any Collusion. Collude. Yeah, we didn't yeah. collude
2: to make sure that we got a, we got a, a crony. We, we, <laughs> we really collude for crony.
1: Yeah, we we should have colluded for crony. crony. Yeah. Um. Well, I you know, and I listen. I don't mind it. Do you mind it not being in your top hundred? I mean, I know you. Your reasoning for it is the video drum of it I, all. You only get one listen, spot. Listen, Cronenberg. it was in my.
2: It was in my second draft. So, like, my first draft of my movie, my top 100 was actually, like, 200. Yeah. And then, like, my second one, I got down to 150.
1: You had to whittle it down. Yeah.
2: So, it made, it made, it made, it got cut in, like, the last It was just barely
1: in your own personal not top 100. And now it's in our collective not top 100. But I'm
2: now nervous that, like, Crony doesn't have the proper representation on our list.
1: Yeah. It's entirely possible. It's a good thing we did these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We
2: got to talk about
1: him. We got to talk about some crony. It would have been a crime of so, the
2: future if we never
1: talked about him. <laughs> so let us know. Uh, let us know down in the comments. You know what? Uh, which crony are you colluding for? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we'll see you next time. So so thanks for watching this episode of Life. To be perfectly honest, I'm not sure what we're talking about next week.
2: I don't either. We're but little, we'll find little, out. We'll figure it out. Dan's uh, back, so enough. he might. Whatever you know, the plans of mice and men when it comes to Dan. Ask ask Dan yeah. what we're
1: what we're talking about next week. In the meantime,
2: tweet at him at Thank uh, you
1: for watching. Uh, thanks to Tayo Yakin for producing. Jamie Parselo is shooting this thing right now. Mariahn Franzens our TD. Uh, very specifically, no thank you to Dan, um, <laughs> uh, and thank you Cal.
2: Ah, yeah. Oh, and one last thing. Uh, don't forget that. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, we also uh, publish this to all of the podcasting platforms. So if you don't want to exclusively watch our hilarious faces on the internets, you right. can uh, subscribe to us on any of your podcast apps.
1: If you just want to make this a little bit easier to consume in your car, yes, we're on all the podcast apps. So check us out there and we will see you next time for TBD the movie. <laughs>